Once a week, recapping the Hollywood week that was, getting you ready for the Hollywood week to come on this Monday, July 29th, 2019, the 21st anniversary of Disney's The Parent Trap, yeah. hitting theaters this. It's a movie I like. It's MMO Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW, I am your co-host, Mike One, that is co-host also, Mike, just warning you guys off the top, we're dealing with all new equipment this week, yeah. for the first time, this is our first show, we both have new laptops here, it's the same audio equipment, but we've think it sounds a little weird or a little different at least on our end so we're going to see how it comes out and if we think the sound is something to address we'll address it in the future afterwards but this is the sound you're getting for this episode so uh mike what's up you finally <laughs> in the i guess you've been doing this for two weeks now something this like is that, the yeah. anniversary of this obscure movie that <laughs> is designed to throw me off my game uh, you've been doing this for a little bit and this is the first movie the parent trap i grew up on this movie i know my parents grew up on this movie which is probably why i grew up on this movie right you finally mentioned a movie i like i can't say i'm not upset to hear that because i was real. i picked that specifically thinking you wouldn't have liked it why well, would not have liked <laughs> yeah, it so. like, little did you know <laughs> No, it's a terrific movie. It's a fun movie. It is a fun movie. Yeah. Lindsay Lohan agrees. Uh, Mike, we have some interesting stuff that's coming up for us. We're kind of going to introduce a new show that's uh, quite on brand with what we do. So why don't you tell the good people about that to get this episode started? Yeah, to echo what we've uh, already announced on previous shows, uh, it's official. We didn't know if we were going to debut it this week, but it is a f- official after the MMOW document ballooned like <laughs> 20 pages. Yeah. I was like, oh no. <laughs> a two part MMOW? No, of course. We got about half Oscar race news and half the rest of movie news. Movie news, yeah. which is something we always love to do. We love to discuss horror movie news. We sure. love to discuss the news of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We've done all this Oscar off season stuff that bleeds into our regular award season coverage. We love movies. We love to cover all kinds of movies. So essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to have two reaction shows a week for you guys now we're going to have our oscar race update show at the end of each week for the moment Mm -hmm. we're going to have our mmow to kick off each week for the moment eventually we're going to flip those two come award season when we have a sunday night award show that we want to react to and that'll take up usually took us like half hour yeah but because mmow became so much fun for us because we covered so many segments because the audience interaction has been so good etc etc we knew we needed to spin one of these shows off so this is what we'll do and like you've convinced me mmow is really going to work well as like a Thursday, Friday show, because it'll get you into your weekend movie watching. Yeah, that's kind of the idea with this. So MMOW being the rest of the Hollywood news, the movie news, like Mike just told you, we kind of want that to have you to listen to right before you hit the theaters for the weekend, hopefully in your time off there from work and kind of your escape from reality. So that's what MMOW is going to turn into. The Oscar race update, we've had that as a section on MMOW historically. That's going to be its own show uh, for the interim that'll be now at the end of this week, at least to start before we do flip-flop those, like Mike said, as we get closer to awards season here. Uh, But this is MMOW, so you will not be getting the Oscar race update drop or segment in this episode, but you will be getting it at the end of this week as our first kind of soft opening of the Oscar race update, the weekly show that that will become, will have its debut episode at the end of this week for all you guys. Yeah, and that's a big document already 
already as yeah. well. We're going to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood more. Surprise. There. <laughs> we're going to review that this week, of course. Uh, but we're going to kind of do like our Oscar lens or focus or something on that. We're going to have all the Oscar trailers that came out last week. I think there were six of them. We're bumping those to that show. I think that's a smart move. I, I think that makes sense. It's just going to fit our conversations there. Yeah. And there's Fall Film Festival preview news like crazy. Sure. For Venice, for Toronto. I think I found like a dozen stories already. So uh, we, I have to yeah. speak on this. And that's that's a good point. I mean, the film festival specifically, the lineups are getting introduced. Those are a bunch of movies as it is that we're going to have to all recap in one segment for you guys. We want to keep it all in one place. So really, we're doing you a favor because otherwise MMO Weekly would be three and a half hours because we don't know how to keep ourselves brief. We don't. <laughs> Look at this intro. <laughs> Look at this gosh darn intro. You were away for a week. You yeah. had a vacation oh with the Griswolds. God, what a terrible... <laughs> Terrible. I, I did say on Twitter I would talk about it. This was the worst trip of my life. Oh, no. This was the worst. And, and God bless my parents who, who footed the bill and tried to make a nice week for everyone. But we went to Maine on the hottest week of the year. Your brother house, and his family. Yeah, my and brother and his family. Yes, it was, yeah. it was all encapsulated, all one <laughs> room of misery. Uh, we went to a house with no air conditioning with a 13-year-old dog who is not accustomed to not having air conditioning. So she woke up quite often at 5.30 on the dot every morning, waking myself and usually my mother up. Uh, she was ending, she was peeing all over the house, which she does not do. She does not have incontinent mm-hmm. problems. She, she chose to do that up there. She was panting nonstop. I had to take her in the air in the car and just sit in the driveway at like two in the morning oh, with the no. AC running. Uh, my neat little niece, who's three years old, started running a fever out of nowhere and got incredibly sick towards you know, the like end of it. Heat stroke, yeah. Kind of thing. It, it was a mess. I mean, this was the word. The food, the, some of the restaurants were just terrible. No. For whatever reason, like <laughs> everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. I don't feel relaxed or refreshed at all. <laughs> I'm happy to be back here behind the microphone doing this. But at least you're an overly cheerful person. You're not gonna. <laughs> Right. You're not going to gripe about it. Can't imagine though. why I have this disposition. <laughs> this is my daily life for me. But let's get into happier stuff. Maybe we'll see. Oh yeah, no, we got the Comic Con stuff was awesome. That's so true. That's how we're going to start here with the news of the week. News, 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 news. Mike, you said it. Comic Con happened, and Marvel stole the show. They announced Phase 4, the entirety of Phase 4, that's going to happen at a much faster pace than other phases. Yeah. Like we've had, you know, four-year, fa- three-year phases, I think, and this is happening basically in 2020 and 2021. Yeah. I, I was thrilled to hear that Over they- a couple mediums, too, not to cut you yeah. off, but yeah, it's not going to be just movie-based. So l- let's start with the movies. Let's just dive right in there. Black Widow- it's going to come out when we thought it was going to come out. Essentially, it's coming out in May of 2020. I thought this was going to be the lone announcement. I really <laughs> didn't think they had a lot planned for this outside of maybe Shang-Chi. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> so we learned that Florence Pugh is Yelena Belova. She's like a sister figure to Romanoff. Mm-hmm. Is she the rival? Is she the partner? Is she the villain? I don't care who she is as long as she wears that flower dress from uh, Midsummer. Uh, she won't, but well, she not. might. <laughs> you never know. Uh, we have David Harbour. He's Alexi, the Red Guardian. That's not like a, a slash, the Red Guardian. Mm-hmm. He's a Russian super soldier like Captain America. Uh, is is he the bad guy? Is he on her team? It kind of would shift the scales. Well, Natasha Romanoff team. would have started with the Russian army, right? So maybe he's the mentor turned baddie. He's got to be the bad guy. A bad guy. I would think. I hope he's like the enforcer bad guy, and she kicks his ass regardless. Probably. So, 
is it a little strange he's been doing all these likable roles of late, especially Stranger Things? He's the bell of every ball. Like, he's up there making the fans go the craziest. And yet, he's kind of started having a bit of a backlash this year. People didn't watch Hellboy, period. I'm going to review it later. Um, And then with this episode, I guess the season of Stranger Things, people were not happy with the relationship his character in Eleven seemed to have. They, I saw some backlash online about that. So maybe well, he's going to lean into his villain, villainy a little tough bit. tough love that yeah. you have to show a teenager okay. in general. I think that's true. <laughs> and he showed her some tough love. And yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. The director is Kate Shortland. She did a really nice job with the Berlin Syndrome that right. I yeah I reviewed that last year on an MMOW. Uh, she's known for her debut of Somersault. Rachel Weiss wanted to work with her because of that. That was 83% Rotten Tomatoes. That was a hell of a way to let herself be known in the film industry. So she's an accomplished filmmaker. She did some action movie goods in the Berlin Syndrome. So I have no question she's going to be able to handle that. But the big news for me was like Rachel Weiss, Oscar nominated actress. Yeah. Ray Winstone, who's been in some Oscar nominated films. I don't know if he has a nom himself, but you have some serious credibility with those two actors joining the team as well. So if Marvel beats DC to the punch of having two awesome females battle it out across an entire movie, when DC has had for three or four years at their disposal now harley quinn and wonder woman leading properties Mm -hmm. isn't that just pie in the face of dc like haven't we been begging for those two properties to battle each other out on screen and just have an all-female superhero universe on that side i don't think it's an accident that black widow is coming out in may of 2020 and wonder woman 1984 is already listed as coming out in june 2020 come on how many more Battles can DC lose head to head here? Like one step forward, two steps back every time for them. I just feel sorry. It's not good. Yeah. It's not good. In the Comic Con footage, Mike, we saw Hawkeye, we saw the Winter Soldier. It was really cool. It was a well put together presentation that, you know, showed you a lot of clips from stuff I recognize from the other Marvel Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe movies. But we, we almost got some battles where the Winter Soldier was just like in this scrum that I don't remember <laughs> from anything else. I think that's from this movie. You get some de-aged Scarlet Joe, or she's just a goddess who looks... <laughs> Either or. Looks 17, even, you know, just the perfect skin. I don't know. But she she looks her younger than her age. Okay. We look our age. Right. And older. Well, older, yeah. Anyway, she looked very young. She looked like a kid. Huh. In the training stuff that I saw, and then you got this cool bullet, you know, where she's shooting a target or something kind of thing. That's not from Endgame. That might have been like deleted scenes, but it looked great. I wonder how this is this property alone is going to be. I mean, is it a one-off? You know, we know it's a prequel. Does it connect her to all the TV stuff? Is what I'm wondering. Uh, interesting. Yeah, the the what if show the. Scarlet Witch show that could kind of that my, starts in the fifties. Yeah, my guess is this is a one-off. Yeah, I think you're right. They're, this is long overdue. We needed her. Yeah, to get her own movie. Long, long it's overdue. about time. But could it be a you know prequel saga? Yeah, maybe. We'll see. It's gonna be kick-ass because you, you got the formula that works. You got Black Widow, Super Soldiers. Let's let's go. Has a Marvel property failed yet in any aspect? Criti- obviously not financially, but critically, like the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk, the first one. 
And even that's okay. Right. <laughs> so I think we're in good hands here. Mike, we have The Eternals. Yeah, The Eternals is slated to come out November 6, 2020. It's directed by Chloe Zhao. We reviewed the writer and Oscar sprint profile last year. We both love that, despite the fact that a horse does exist in it at a couple points. And <laughs> that's not the. There's no despite the fact. I said what there. I said. There's no. You, you're so prejudiced against horse movies. Angelina Jolie, this is going to be her introduction to the MCU. Sam Hayek is in this one, Richard Madden as well. And a very jacked up Kumail Nanjiani is going to star in this alongside Brian Tyree Henry as well. The plot on IMDb says the saga of the Eternals, a race of immortal beings who lived on Earth and shaped its history and civilizations. No, no, uh, you know, that's that's not heavy at all. What the hell is a saga? Just shaped Earth. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm a little worried about this one based on that premise because we haven't had Marvel gods before. We haven't had all-powerful characters before. We've gone to great lengths to show Thanos in previous films, mm-hmm. the most powerful person we've ever, you know, hero or villain in the series thus far. We go to great lengths to show kind of his humanity, his flaws, the rounded character of him. And now we have Celestials sending immortal Eternals to Earth to protect. You have gods. Right. Which is, again, what DC does. <laughs> yeah. DC has always been on, on record saying that the Marvel's characters are, are heroes and our characters are gods and deities. So, so, again, Marvel leaning into a little bit of DC territory here. I find it interesting that the first two properties that Phase 4 has released are... Prequels. Prequels. Looking backwards. So, we talked about this in the X-Men speculation pod where we thought that the original Marvel films got going, and int- there's like four or five that built up into the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. Like, mm-hmm. you didn't have an Infinity Stone until, like, movie right. four, Captain right. America, the first Avenger. And then the Thor movie, you had the potential of one. I don't think you had There's a lot of blueprint. There are nerds screaming at the thing right now. Well, I saw the light of Heart Spear. People that read comic books have turned us off. Yeah, they, we, they don't listen to us. So we can just rib them mercilessly on the side because this is for the Marvel MCU movie right. fans, mostly. So I'm a little worried that they're going full gods here. And then on the other hand, I'm not worried because you have like the most relatable actors, Kumail Nanjiani, right. Brian Tyree Henry. We've seen great work from Angelina Jolie and Salma Hayek. We have seen them be you know the most rounded of yeah. characters in the past. Richard Madden... Yeah, he's rounded as Rob Stark. I haven't seen the, the show, but he's was Emmy nominated for the show. Yeah, that he's been on in on Netflix, so I'm sure he's doing okay. It's interesting in that it seems very unmarvelly. We know that the the Eternals are they exist. We knew that. We we've been privy to that. But the only interaction we've had with gods, I think, were the others or the B. I forget the name of them. But that yeah. Stan Lee was making a joke with in one of the Guardian movies. Sure, they weren't treated as a serious property. So this one, I mean, this, could you have higher stakes with the creation of life basically on Earth that this one seems to be laying out? So very interesting, very curious. But again, you're making a good point. I think in that. There's got to be a blueprint laid out before we get the next big end game, mm-hmm. right? The next big Infinity War. you got to start somewhere, especially since you're missing a couple very important Avengers anyway now uh, in this next phase of the Marvel MCU. So yeah, I'm, I'm along for the ride. I'm not questioning anything yet. Marvel hasn't led us astray yet, so there's no reason for, I don't think, for me to say, you know, I'm worried. Chloe Zhao's a great filmmaker. I'm so happy for her. We're thrilled that she's getting yeah. a payday, number one. I yeah. mean, let's make some money. Let's have a... Chloe Zhao, who doesn't have to, you know, do the guerrilla filmmaking right. thing every day. Here's my biggest takeaway, though. Kumail Nanjiani, more ripped. Yeah. 
than Richard Madden. Yeah. And it's clear. It's clear as day. You could tell by the t-shirt size. He's like, I wonder if he looked at Richard Madden's t-shirt and then just tuck the back of it in. Like, if I was him, I would like, right, make sure I see the nipples through this. Which way to the weight room? My bicep vein has to show. Meanwhile, Richard Madden, Madden worldwide sex icon, whatever, is, he's being known put for Put to shame. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you who's happiest about this Kumail Nanjiani getting jacked thing, more so than me, either Kumail or Emily Gordon probably, is uh, Dave Batista, his Stuber co-star, yeah. who was asked about Kumail getting all jacked up on the red carpet for Stuber, and he was like a giddy school kid. He said he was like... Did he train him, you think? Well, he, they, there was, I guess they haven't been in the gym yet, but Dave Batista's been giving him pointers, and he was he's quoted as saying Kumail's like a little kid learning about life for the first time. Yeah. Like he's seeing gains and getting all excited, and Batista's like, I've been doing this for 40 years. Yeah. So to see someone that just gets used to it for the first time, it's kind of cool. That, <laughs> I think that's funny. That, that is funny. And <laughs> Kumail also made a great point on the dais. Number one, he made a ton of great jokes. But So they asked him a question, which was like, Kumail, you are good in dramas. You're good at, you're a comedian, yeah. a professional comedian. They didn't ask him about him being jacked up for the action <laughs> stuff. But they were basically like, you know, you do both of these things. So why are you Why here? go to action films? And he's like, hey, old Hollywood made their blockbusters like Casablanca. They were funny, they were dramatic, they were mysterious, they were action-packed. And all those old movies would do that. And then we had everything genre-fied mm-hmm. for the longest time, especially at the blockbuster level, until new Marvel Cinematic Universe blockbusters, Disney blockbusters, we're going back to that old-school template again. Yeah. where it's everything for everybody and it's, and it's definitely not a genre movie. Per se. It's a mature answer, and it's certainly an answer of someone that's studied Hollywood and appreciates their place in movie history, I think. So, uh, I'm excited. I'm very excited to see... I love Kamal. Love Angelina Jolie. Very excited to see them join the MCU. You got the Batista seal of approval? Yeah. For it, so, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're ready. Now, I need that. I need Kumail's character to find Drax at some point, and I need them on screen together for that in the MCU. Cool. That would be excellent. <laughs> Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We don't know as much about this one, but it's directed by... Destin Daniel Cretton, Short Term 12, was awesome. A lot of people loved that. Uh, that was my number two film of 2013. Loved it like crazy. I didn't see his follow-up, The Glass Castle. I know it had middling reception, mm-hmm. but I have faith in this filmmaker based on that movie. I have faith that this movie's going to be funny because Aquafina is in it. I have faith that this movie's going to pull off its drama because Aquafina is in it. <laughs> and I have faith that this is going to be a kick-ass kung fu movie this is the the master of kung fu in the marvel cinematic universe this character of shang chi and you have no none other than tony lung ip man himself from all the red cliff movies he's one of the best martial artists on the planet and if you doubt that watch any one of those films watch clips so this movie's gonna have goods i have no idea about this character at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't know its existence until it was rumored to be coming up in the MCU, so I'm yeah. very, very curious to have and very excited to be introduced to a whole new world and a whole new genre of the MCU. Maybe, like, you know, Quentin Tarantino's done previously, maybe the MCU was just spreading its wings into all different types of genres, like Kumail's answer kind of alluded to. And we're going to have, we're going to talk about horror coming up. Now we're going to have maybe Kung Fu in this movie. So we're kind of getting this all-encompassing entity now that the MCU is becoming, which is good because... Once the movie as a whole, the industry falls and the MCU and Disney are the only ones making properties anymore, we'll at least know they've had practice in every sort of type of movie. Is this a master move on the chessboard yes. by the MCU <laughs> to basically say that, all right, Chinese box office, it's, it's exploding. Yeah. 
So let's have the Chinese Marvel superhero in the next phase right after the Avengers with this great lead up. Mike, they also announced the lead. It's uh, Simu Liu. And he is someone that is really kind of unknown just from the Taken TV series. He's got a lot of credits on his IMDb. I haven't seen him in any of those Talk things. about shooting your shot. This is a guy that tweeted out to Marvel and Kevin Feige years ago saying, let's talk about Shang-Chi. Years before really? Shang-Chi was even rumored to be in production. And now he actually gets tabbed and has a meeting with them. And they pick him, they cast him, and now he's going to be Shang-Chi. <laughs> There's another story like this coming up in another one of these movie announcements that I want to go over. But I love that you have passion as a foundation sure. for this project. People that want to do these things and talk about passion, my God, the story we're going to end with here when we talk about what happened with yes. Marvel at the Comic-Con, uh, that pretty much is how that one happened. We'll talk about now Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. What do you think of that title, Mike? I like it a lot. <laughs> I love that title. <laughs> I, I don't even need the Doctor Strange part at the beginning. I know right. it has to be there. But if this was just called In the Multiverse of Madness, I'm with you. I would be in right All there. in. May 7th, 2021 is the right now expected premiere date. And this is going to be a true and true horror movie. The first MCU horror movie. So again, I say, when the movie industry is desolate and crumbled before us, we at least know that they've done kung fu. They've done horror. They've done action and drama and romance. We're in good hands with our mouse overlords as we are inevitably marching towards that. But this is going to be a Doctor Strange horror movie with a Doctor Strange character, with the Scarlet Witch character. Wong is in this as well. Uh, we don't know much about this other than Scott Derrickson is the director who did the first Doctor Strange movie as well, and he also has his legs in horror underneath him. He directed Sinister, wrote and directed Sinister, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, and Deliver Us from Evil. If you've listened to us at all, you know what fans of horror and that genre we are anyway, so I'm super excited for this as well. Now, I really like the first Sinister movie. I, I thought did he, he did a hell of a job with yeah, that. Yeah, I did too. The Exorcism of Emily Rose is not a great film, but it's a scary movie. Very. And Deliver Us from Evil, not a great film, but a scary movie. Not a great ending. <laughs> right. So, I like his horror movie goods that he He knows how to scare and he creep. Knows. Yeah, I agree. And if, if anyone's going to help you with the actual through line of a story, mm -hmm. it's going to be the Marvel gods, right? So, I again... Any shortcomings kind of get filled in historically with this company. The horror at the end of the first Doctor Strange movie was there. Like, psychological horror, it was right there. If they just went to 11 with sure. it, we would have all screamed. Yeah, I mean, the elements are there. Mm -hmm. It's not hard to see how this can become a, a, a psychological thriller. Now, is Chiwetel Ejiofor in this? He was set up to be the bad guy at the mm. end of the last one. I don't see him anywhere. Benedict Cumberbatch, Benedict Wong. The Benedicts are back. We're very glad about that. I want eggs Benedict now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm all about food. It's just where I am. What about Benedict Arnold? I was oh, right there for you. You didn't include curious. it. No, it doesn't connect to my right. eggs Benedict. <laughs> you can go with your... Uh, in my brain. All right. No, it's like eggs Benedict. Right. It's delicious. Which I'm right. gonna somehow find a way to eat. Very soon. I, 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 and some guy who's important to history. <laughs> Give me a break. Pick your battles. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Mike, the biggest thing I wanted to talk about, which is actually serious. Yeah. I want to nail home that point I made before. You have passion as a foundation for these projects. You don't have the obvious business decision here. Doctor Strange was not half, maybe a third as profitable at the end of the day, but it was not half as profitable as some sequels that you could churn out. Guardians, super popular, super profitable, yeah. almost a billion dollar property. Spider-Man, billion dollar property. 
Captain Marvel, billion and a half or whatever that was, and of course Black Panther, billion and a half. Sure. Almost two billion. And Avengers. Like, if they're making the business decision, they would get a Avengers follow-up movie going. And they'd figure out a way to bring back Tony Stark as is, as like a computer CGI enhancement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and have new Avengers Just immediately. Bring Robert whatever. Downey back, yeah. If you're, making, if you're rushing the next big moneymaker mm-hmm. out there, which is what studios have done in the past time and again... You're not putting the horror movie Doctor Strange out there. Yeah, your point is well taken. I also think they can afford to do this. This is what big studios should be doing. They can afford to take the risk, but it's it's fun that they're right. taking the risk. I, I agree, and this is what we kind of ask for. And no, it's not an original property, but it is certainly a horror movie. And the MCU is at least an original idea. So that's where the ingenuity and the innovativeness of it comes in. And you're right, it is. It's not an easy money grab for them like you think some other studios may be capable of doing so that's heartwarming at least but that's not to say it won't make money for them look Shang-Chi could be a master chess move because the Chinese box Mm -hmm. office will just crush and but it might flop nobody knows that character we don't know the character at all we have our lapses in storytelling consumption and comics are one of them so you know it's not a surprise that we don't know the character comic book fans may still these are riskier decisions than I've seen them make in the past. And that's a good thing. Yeah, I don't know that I even... You know, is... is And let's talk about now, Thor, Love and Thunder. Is getting Natalie Portman, bringing her back into the fold, she's going to be the female version of Thor. I don't know that I would classify that as risky, but it's certainly different. I think it's proper. I think it's right, and it's maybe overdue, I would even say. Well, I, I think the obvious answer is that the trolls have been shouting out against these MCU movies and a lot of these movies. And look at Ariel, that whole nonsense. Yeah, so nonsense th- this is, right. is troll fodder. That's... Like Now, we were excited about the news when the comic book announcement was made. I think it was like two years ago almost. Yeah. And we were watching female Thor just on the tr- in the trades as a comic book and how the fans loved that. So the fact that you're bringing back Taika Waititi to direct this, the fact that you have Natalie Portman, who was a character that people were upset with how she was handled at the end of Dark World. We we lo- we think she's yeah. a much better actress than just to be a MacGuffin kind of, of character at the end of that. We were kind of delighted by the fact that Thor is not over that breakup. Yes. And it's very funny. <laughs> so we're going to have a movie entitled Thor Love and Thunder, we're going to have Chris Hemsworth in it. He was on the stage, and he's in the IMDb. Is he a main character in it? We don't even need him to be. What's going to be fun is that there's going to be a reunion between him and Natalie Portman, so that makes us happy. But it, what's even cooler is that she's going to get his power. Is it his powers or get powers somehow? Yeah, and that's the bottom line. She's going to be the female Thor, and that's really, really cool. The joke on Twitter, of course, was since everybody kind of assumed that Natalie Portman was not thrilled with how she was treated in the MCU. I, I can't remember. I, I should have looked it up. I didn't. But if she even said something about her not being thrilled with her time in the MCU, but the joke was how much money did they have to offer her to bring her back into the fold to accept being becoming part of the MCU again near? I would not be surprised if it comes out that she has some sort of input with the storyline of this as well, because she's a noted, you know, she's been a feminist advocate for years, using her, one of the people in Hollywood sure. that uses her platform for, for purposes of good and gender equality. So I would not be surprised to see her actually take part within this building of this universe and building of this character. I think it's awesome. You know, the only way you don't think it's awesome is if you are one of those trolls that you just hit on and you're yeah. one of those short-sighted people that doesn't understand how the world works. So we saw Ennio Morricone say, no, 
You're never going to use my music again. All the music that you like to listen to out of the soundtracks, right. you're never going to use it again. And then he actually creates the first original score in a Tarantino film for The Hateful Eight <laughs> immediately after. So I don't trust Hollywood people when they say, no, I hated the way that happened. And then, yes, give me a starring role in your next picture. Yeah. So the, it's kind of... People's words mean nothing in this industry. <laughs> but one more big story, though, Mike. We have Tessa Thompson, the character of Valkyrie. Yeah. We loved from the Avengers movies. Love her, too. We loved her in uh, Thor Ragnarok. Going to be the first LGBT character in the MCU. We, we know in real life she's a member of that community. We've loved her work the last two years. She's awesome. huge fans. This should have happened already. We've always said this, but we're, we're glad it's happening now. So... I'm always torn with things like this. Like, do we give them credit because they're finally pulling the trigger on these types of things, <laughs> yeah. or do we just ridicule them that it took until 2019 to pull the trigger on these types of things? I like to be positive. Yeah, so I try. I try. Yeah, good job. Hooray. But what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Couldn't be happier. She had caused a big round of applause on the dais when she said that, you know, her first job since she's the uh, the king now of the... Of Asgardians. Asgard, yeah, of all the Asgardians, she, her first role would be to find her queen. That caused a huge round of applause. I thought that was a very cute mm-hmm. job by her as well. We love the Thor property. Taika Waititi being involved is awesome. Chris Hemsworth we love. Uh, Tessa Thompson we love. We're all very excited to see Natalie Portman get these powers. So I think it's going to be hard to screw this up, especially with the Marvel formula. And like everything else, it's still Marvel. So how do you not have faith that they're going to do aces with it anyway? If you're going to watch any one of these movies right now, yeah, this is probably the one I choose. Like if I was able to watch one right now, It'd be the next one for me, but this would be number two. Yeah, but this, this, all right, but this is going to be a Phase 5 movie, right? Because I don't think this is technically Phase 4. I they didn't put a release That brings there. up a whole new question, because at least they announced this. There's stuff they I was expecting to be part of this Phase 4 announcement that they just didn't even touch. Like, Guardians 3, they didn't talk about. It was not touched on at Guardians all. Guardians 3, Captain Marvel 2, yeah. Black Panther 2. Right. So Spider-Man I don't know. 3. I'm very curious to, to, to hear and see what happens. But as it is right now, for this property, especially with the, I mean, the greatest font for any Marvel title yeah. ever. Yeah, Looks it like it's straight out of He-Man. It's awesome. Uh, Love and Thunder. And we'll wrap up with the big finale, the big final announcement, which was, of course, something that made me pee all over myself. There's a new Blade. They're rebooting Blade. And it's Mahershala Ali. I yelled like a schoolgirl. So the re- I didn't watch the live feed of this. Right. Um, I was just getting updates on Twitter the way it came to the timeline because you're not going to believe this, but on my vacation, this house that has no AC, also not the greatest Wi-Fi. Perfect. Um, <laughs> so I was getting the updates, and I saw Blade first. Yeah, I know Mahershala was announced first, but I saw Blade come across my screen first, and I was like, okay, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. My second thought was, but if it's not Donald Glover, it's going to be a disappointment, right? Completely forgetting Mahershala Ali existed. When I saw Mahershala, I actually did yell. I was like, oh my God, perfect. Yeah, this is awesome. (laughs) I saw on Twitter as well, the way this story went is that after he won his second Academy Award, which he did for Green Book this past year, he called up Kevin Feige and said, I'm a two-time Academy winner. I want to reboot Blade. To which, how do you not say yes, of course, to that and embrace him? I love the fact that you have a guy with passion for the project. Yeah. That I need to make this. This needs of to be a part yep. of my career. I want to do this so damn bad. Kevin Feige, oh master of the Marvel <laughs> yeah, Cinematic right. Universe. Actual movie god. I demand. 
<laughs> or what's the, the the quote in Doctor Strange? Or Mamu, I've come to bargain or whatever. <laughs> right, <come> to- right. <laughs> That's what happened here. It's yeah. great. Uh, now here's what I demand from this movie. You gotta get Wesley Snipes a cameo. He does. I mean, he's the one that kicked all the superhero stuff off. You gotta give him a cameo. And to me, I would like it to be Blade walking down the street and like bumping into a businessman, Wesley Snipes, who looks him up and down and just said, "Man, you look ridiculous." <laughs> I think that would be funny. You've but, written it already, right? Exactly. And Hire me is what I'm saying. But hired. Wesley Snipes must be in this, no? I don't think they'll do it. Why? Because I think Wesley Snipes has been. Tough to work with at times. They just need him on one day. Just one day on set. Look, if they pull that off, if they pay him off or they get him <laughs> in it as a cameo, yeah. it would be a big boon It'd for be awesome. everybody. Was but it? I, like, he's been tough to work with. Oh, sure. Yeah, he's got his history, and but he's coming back. He's going to be in Dolomite Is My Name. We talked about that yeah. throughout our, our Oscar, mid-year Oscar report. Um, one to six, though, Mike, which were you most excited? Obviously, mine was Blade, but which of these were you most excited to hear about? Well, I'm really excited to hear about the Doctor Strange thing because, again, I think, uh, you know, a horror movie in the MCU, for them to go full genre, that's a lot of fun. But I said, I mean, Thor, Love, and Thunder is the property I I, I enjoy the most. That's my number one right now. I can't wait to see what's going to happen with these these characters. I totally agree. Was surprised, you mentioned it, no Spider-Man 3. Kind of shocked, bordering on shocked, that if you're going to have all these announcements, you don't touch on how you're going to wrap up Tom Holland's Spider-Man in the MCU when you have a Spider-Man versus Venom crossover picture that's just sitting there waiting for you to get him back into Sony's uh, world. They're taking their time with the big properties, and they want to do them right. That's the that's what I take away from this. Now, all that being said, Phase 4 is not taking that long. It's two years. Right. Good point. So, Good I, point. I, look, I, we're going to get... Yeah, they usually take two years between sequels anyway. So, right. yeah. We're going to get Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel 2. So it might, it might be me overestimating the time... That the other phases took, or estimating the time. I think you're not right. overestimating. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, just properly estimating. Properly estimating. <laughs> Something we don't do often. So I understand <laughs> why you were concerned about it. What about some stuff they're doing just for TV and streaming, Michael? Yeah, I wanted to ask you. What are you most excited about? You have Falcon and the Winter Soldier with both guys coming back for that. Yeah. You have WandaVision, which is strange because Vision, how is he in it? You have Hawkeye. <laughs> You have Loki, and you have the What If series. These are all fascinating. We are going to buy Disney Plus, of course. Now more than ever. Yeah. Like if there's any doubt, no, no question. The no fact question. that we're getting these five, I'm almost mad about this announcement. I'm almost because mad. it's forcing you to spend. Is that what you mean? Or no, forget the seven dollars a month. Uh, all right, that's fine. That's I, I don't have a lot of money, but I have seven dollars a month. What I don't have is time to watch five television series <laughs> starting right during award season. What are we going to do good with point, that? Good point. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, like, yeah, no, that's How good point. much TV had we put on the <laughs> yeah. back burner this year? Yeah, that's a good point. I haven't even watched Big Little Lies yet. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm very excited, as I usually am, for the What If series. It does border on. We've teased we're going to have a type of a What If show ourselves at some point in the future. Uh, We've teased that as well. Our What If show will be better. Of course. Marvel's going to do their best. Higher production values on our side. Yeah, they'll do do okay. WandaVision is going to take place in the 50s, I've read. So it's going to be like another flashback, retrospective type, resetting the clock type thing. I'm curious about that. But if she was younger... In Avengers two, like what? It, what does that mean? She went back in time. I have I again. I don't. I, 
we got to have Kevin Feige on the show. <laughs> so that's all this is. We just got to get him on the horn. Again, the fan, the real comic book fans, if there's one of them left, <laughs> still listening, is just like, just spitting out their window. So mad at us. But that was the talk, and that was the whole hubbub coming out of San Diego Comic-Con. Very exciting stuff, as it usually is when Marvel has a chance to display what they're all working on. You know, it goes without saying that if you're in this industry, if you're in the movie review business, the critic business, you can't help but be... Overly excited, enthused, whatever other adjective you want to use. So, I love Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I think Hawkeye is going to be like a mini-series. They're going to have a clear arc for that one. So, I'm, I'm kind of into that. Because so, they're redoing the Jeremy Renner, Jason Bourne type thing with his own Hawkeye With a better yeah. group of writers. I, I mean, I'd, I'd be down for it. nail it. <laughs> I, that one makes the most sense to me. Like, I can rely on that one the most. All right, we're going to do a six-hour movie about Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Miniseries. We're gonna ki- we're gonna crush it. So I know that's gonna be good. They're all gonna be good. We're gonna have to watch them immediately too. It's like the worst for us because we're gonna have to binge watch them immediately. Yeah, I don't know how we're gonna handle this. I hadn't even thought about that. So that's a great, great point of concern. Uh, but I guess stay tuned. We're gonna figure it out as we go here. And that's all that happened with the San Diego Comic Con Deus from Marvel. We will move on. Uh, we're gonna touch on audience interaction real quick, Mike. We have a bit of an edit there. We screwed up again. Yeah. Uh, we're sorry, but. We also had no idea, uh, to be honest with you. Edward Furlong, a lot of stories came out this week going back to his issues with domestic violence. And we don't want to do a Six Degrees of MMO. Yeah, we don't want to highlight that. We take one of the most fun stories in a long time, Lashana Lynch Lynch becoming 007. And what we thought was a fun story of this guy who got his life back together, getting back into Hollywood. We thought that was a fun story. Edward Furlong, child actor, had his bouts and back in the new Terminator, and then we get all that stuff. Now, I don't know his story, and right. I don't want to condemn the guy. If he was on drugs, whatever, you know, there, there's people on drugs do awful things. Right. Just ask the Manson family. Good point. Mike, we're going to just change it. So yeah. let's get back to having some fun with this again. We're going to go Lashana Lynch to Linda Hamilton. Stick it, stay in the uh, Terminator universe yeah, she there. Yeah, kind of keep your same She has another comeback, years. yeah. For most people, that was mentioned to us by Dark Nook of at Dark Nook Shop fame last week's winner. So he's all jazzed up to do the next one, and he he said Linda Hamilton, and that would fit what what yeah. he's got to do. And Good I think that'll yeah, I think that'll fit the other uh, submissions we've received already too. So that's the edit, the uh, quick six degrees of MMO edit this week. We're going from uh, Lashana Lynch to Linda Hamilton. That's your challenge for next week. We will recap that in MMO Weekly as well. Let's talk about a box office update and talk about some numbers here, Michael. Yeah, a couple quick stories to open things up the lion king made 185 million domestically in its opening weekend 544 globally that was last week's box office that we couldn't cover in time mike yeah but audiences aren't going to see this again that's got to be a little cons- like it led the box office again this week i get that but it suffered an almost 61 percent drop from weekend number one where it debuted and even endgame managed to stay under 60 percent with its week-to-week drop and lion king is not putting up endgame numbers my biggest issue with all these live action remakes wasn't that they weren't going to make money out of the gate i knew they were going to make money out of the gate right i was worried about the whole brand thing like are you is this a money grab like i know you're doing the vfx thing you're blowing it out for vfx mm-hmm. they're great this movie is weaker, in my opinion. You're going to review it a little later. But yeah. I wondered, like, Dumbo's terrible. Aladdin was good and bad. We'll mm-hmm. talk about it. Is Are people going to walk away like, that was nothing new. It was the same movie. It was uh, up and down. I mean, Disney typically gives us projects that are fan servicey, but they still hold to great stories and new things. They've always been about that, even though you, they 
going on the franchise. Which stuff. hasn't really been the case with the live action stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I it's agree. It's really just yeah. a retread. I, I will say, had I not been in the conditions I was, <laughs> I probably would not have gone to the theater to see this movie. So that's that's just cause for concern. Look, I mean, cause for concern is when you're making half a billion dollars in two weeks, is it really concern at all? Right. But we have to bring it up. Aladdin crossed a one billion at the box office, so we're idiots. Uh, yeah, I listen. Part of being a critic is to admit, man up, and say when you were completely wrong. And I don't think there's been a movie, both critically, audience scores, and financially, that I have been more wrong about. <laughs> this looks like Xeno Warrior Princess. I mean, said me. <laughs> I have. Yeah, this was. We were off. We were very off. It happens. It's part of the game. The genie. We were basically reacting to the trailer. The trailers look terrible. They look bad. <laughs> Terrible, but apparently, and you will be. You did see Aladdin. You'll be talking about that as well. Yeah. What we're watching, so I enjoyed it. Uh, we'll 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 touch on that. But we were wrong. That's on us. Egg on our face. And Spider Man Far From Home broke a billion at the box. Where's my Spider Man versus Venom dual corporation crossover picture? You cowards. So you're impatient on this point. <laughs> like you're not impatient on the other potential properties that you'd have to just wait like three years for. It. You know what happened is that somebody on Twitter and I actually retweeted it. Somebody on Twitter made a mock phase four of what they like. The rumor, quote unquote, yeah. was going to be, and one of the pictures was Spider Man versus Venom, and then I attached the, like I do. I'm like, oh, that's going to happen. I want that to happen. So that's gospel now. Now Andy Circus is already being rumored to get an attachment to Venom Two as a director. Okay, that's the new news as of this morning or last night or whatever. You might get a Venom Two soon. Are you going to be happy enough with a Venom Two before a Spider Man MCU Three? Sub-question, will you be happy and satiated, that's the wrong word, with a, Into the Spider-Verse 2 and a Venom 2 before you get a Spider-Man MCU 3? Mm. These are all very interesting questions because Into the Spider-Verse is its own type of uniqueness. I, I will say, just don't do harm to the Venom property. I'm very happy that did well financially. I know critics were iffy on it, but just keep that successful so we can have, at some point, the Spider-Man versus Venom crossover you want movie. this Spider-Man versus that Venom? I mean, do you don't want Tom Holland and Tom Hardy to fight each other with superpowers? Like, I like Venom. <laughs> and I try to be really positive about Venom because I did enjoy it more than I thought I would. I enjoyed it like I enjoyed Aqu- right. Aquaman. Sure. It is it's a, not a Marvel It's movie. a train wreck. Right. It's the not movie's a, a mess. Movie. Yeah. But it's great. <laughs> I have a problem with who, and I hope they change. No offense to the actor they portrayed it, and I won't spoil it because it was a post-credit scene, but I have a problem with who they portrayed as the Carnage character yeah. coming up. I don't like that cast. It's Woody Harrelson. We've talked about it yeah, on this okay, show. Yeah, I, think. About it. So, so, yeah, yeah. I, I don't like that at all. No. I hope they change course there, but we'll see. But Woody Harrelson as Carnage with the greatest you know, motion capture effects director ever. Could that work? I mean, make Woody Harrelson the J. Jonah Jameson character, right? Like, don't make him Carnage. Yeah. There's a billion other guys I'd rather see as Carnage, and girls for that matter. All right, so let's get to this weekend. We had The Lion King winning the weekend with $75.5 million. It is up to 962 worldwide, 356.11 on the domestic-international split. It's going to make a it's billion. It's going to kill it. And again, I was way off about the projections. And I, you know, I, I'm not good with these live action things. Anybody, I'm more down on them than the finances is are. Is anybody thrilled with it? That's the thing. Like, No, of course not. It's not okay. getting repeat viewers. So I, maybe there's just way too many people in this world. And Dwight Schrute was right in the office when he said we need a new plague. The big news, though, is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood opened. It really opened well. It's the number one quarantine opening yet. $40.3 million on the weekend. It has not 
opened overseas yet. And that point three was due to Mike, Mike, and Oscar here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best Tarantino opening ever. It narrowly beats out Glorious Bastards before inflation. If you count for inflation, Glorious Bastards is still the high mark there. I said on Twitter, and this is this is fact that over the last three years, if you open at forty million, usually you're going to find yourself in the one fifteen to one fifty range domestically once you're done with your theatrical run. But even if you take the high end there, take the 150 mark, that would still have this film fall short of Tarantino's best domestic box office, which is Django. We talked about that in our review, which did a 162 million domestically. But it would still be one of his biggest box office hits ever. And of his biggest box office hits, Django, The Kill Bills, and Glorious Bastards, he's managed to score roughly a 40-60 split percentage-wise between domestic and international as far as his box offices go. So if Once Upon a Time Hollywood goes around 140 domestically, let's say, and that's 40% of the total worldwide box office, we could be looking at a $350 million worldwide box office for the film, which on its $90 million budget, that's a huge win. That's a big win, even though... How much of that does he get himself? Because that was another story we're going to talk about in our Oscar Sprint profile of this. He's got a great deal, and it's an unprecedented deal where he owns Well, he was a free agent. I mean, that's that's the thing that yeah. people don't remember, is that he was Harvey Weinstein's guy, yeah. and then he, once all that happened, he kind of had to separate himself, and he was up for bidding. It was a very famous bidding process, and Sony landed him. Sony's making money on this deal. Sure. Sony's making prestige. They're scoring prestige points. Mm-hmm. They're going to be involved in the Oscar race at every level. We're they have to be. <laughs> we're going to review this movie next, so we're trying to yeah. hold back a little bit here. But this is a. I big pitched success. to Mike this morning that maybe we just pivot and turn ourselves exclusively into a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood branded podcast. <laughs> we had a debate. Before. There's things we like and don't like about the movies. There's something yes. that I really didn't like about. Mike is rational Hollywood. when it comes to this movie. We had a huge debate before the movie about we did. it. Yeah. So, FYI, it's coming. We're going to do this Tarantino episode like we've done all the rest. It's going to be some highs and some lows. Sure. It's going to be both sides to it. And I think this helps its Oscar case that it opened big. Yeah, I, I would agree. And it's again, we talk all the time about how fickle this range of finances is for the Academy. If you open too big, that's held against you. If you don't open big enough, that's held this against a sweet you. Spot right. Big. This is right in the middle there. It's not as big as a star is born, but it's big right. enough. It's, to, yeah, it's, it's big perfect. it's big enough to be his biggest opening, but it's probably not going to be his highest grossing movie ever worldwide. So it's you know, it's success and failures across the board, which is what the Academy likes. Okay, so to finish up, Spider Man Far From Home had a twelve point two million dollar weekend, Toy Story four, nine point eight, and Crawl, four million dollar weekend. I'm gonna review that in a minute. If I held a gun to your head and said, You tell me now. Which of these pictures, January 1st, 2019, I'm saying, which picture grosses more worldwide, Toy Story 4 or Spider-Man Far From Home? Would you have ever guessed the Spider-Man movie? I don't think I would have. I think I would have guessed Toy Story 4. However, you saw the upside out of Homecoming, out of the Avengers. Oh, fine movie. Absolutely agree. I think the smart money should have been on. In hindsight, it's 2020. Shocked. I'm shocked. I, I mean, I thought Toy Story 4 would blow three out of the water. This is a big deal for the MCU with all those chips mm-hmm. on the poker table. Yeah, now, Sony's doing a great job with Into the Spider-Verse. Sony's doing a great job with Venom in terms of making money on it. Sony could play hardball with this property. I don't know that Marvel's going to let it go without a fight at the end of the day. Marvel doesn't have leverage. It's Sony's property. I know, but they have money. And they have all the chips on the poker table. They could... F- Force leverage, they and then money and leverage are. I know they're two different See, things, but but they're the same. I understand what you're saying, and and logic would think, yeah, Marvel's obviously price. in the cap. Everyone has seat. a price, right? And Marvel has all the money at their disposal. They got all these resources, but Sony is 
Sony's driving this bus right now. They have the rights, and they are just as wise to the numbers as Marvel is. They know what they have right now, and they know how much money it makes. Why, in God's name, and I've talked about people on Twitter with this, or they say, oh, I'm sure they'll work something out. To me, it's like, why would Sony... Share. Yeah, they don't why would they... I mean, if I'm Sony, I'm saying you're going to have to give us four times what you gave us originally in the offer. I wonder if Marvel could just share other stuff, though. Like, could they start working? It's one way to approach it, yeah. You you just have so many resources, Marvel. Yeah. Like, you can make a good deal with Sony that works for Sony. We've had issues with Sony's profits, though. Like, they've had issues with Sony's profits. Venom was a boon for them. Yep. That was, like, one of the first. And Hollywood is now, too. Hollywood's going to make money, but they had to put a lot up front. It's not Marvel money. You're right. I mean, they had apples to apples. Marvel was at another level, especially with Disney behind them, than than any other movie companies. And they had a couple years struggle going into this. Yes. So they needed, this was necessary. They had to have these these hits. But to me, again, that's like the desperation of Sony makes it that much more valuable that they hold on to this and get everything they can out of it. You know what I mean? So I agree the, the concept of it's we're approaching a fascinating moment yeah. because Spider-Man has become inextricably valuable to the MCU, mm-hmm. which has only increased its value to Sony as an IP. So here's what worried me most about the weekend, though. We had a $75 million opening at number one, and at number five, we had a $4 million weekend pickup for Crawl. That's a huge disparity. Big drop-off. That shows, that shows that the big-budget movies are crushing. That, that's not a good sign. It's not a good sign for the movie industry at all, no. It's not a good sign. Not, absolutely not. I, mean, I think that's it's, indicative it's, of it, what we've been talking it about. It goes back to yeah. our, big, our big calling card of original properties need love from these big studios just as much as franchise pictures do. And Crawl is making money. Yeah. Crawl's making a lot of money, 45 off of whatever million-dollar budget, seven, something like that. Well, think about the average moviegoer. They've been so conditioned now to only care about the serialness, to make up another word as I'm so apt to do, of movies now because of the franchises and the way that these are the only pictures getting resources put into them. Mm. Why would they spend money on something they don't think is going to have a sequel? And I think that's so dangerous. <laughs> so dangerous. <laughs> For Crawl 2 to have a sequel. Right. <laughs> I mean, that is like, you know, the miracle of life, uh, the Big Bang. Like, how does that happen? I'm going to get into it. That's just, you, you guys know the premise. It's a hurricane where the father gets caught in the basement where he's having a, you know, a, a, he's having a mental episode. For him to be in the basement, ridiculous! It's a, it's a per- it's literally the perfect storm, <laughs> literally, where all these alligators who happen to be nesting in that basement are there when she's there, and of course she is a swimmer for the Florida Gators. That's the premise of the film. I didn't know this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I have th- I have thoughts. <laughs> 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 I, I really like the movie. We're going to get into it. Uh, but we do have some sad news. Yeah, Rutger Hauer unfortunately passed uh, away this bummer. week at 75. I Again, this is kind of a blind spot for my movie watching. I really only know him as the guy from Blade Runner. Again, it's, it's, it's my own shortcoming that I don't know much about his filmography and his history. Were you exposed to him much at all? So, I really liked him in Batman Begins. I really liked him in True Blood. He was even good against Anthony Hopkins in The Right. Hobo with a shotgun, not a movie I liked. He's good in it. Okay, good. And then he's in Lady Hawk, and he's great. I really remember his character in Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, good. Sam Rockwell movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little more familiar with him. I, I just think it's very sad. He's only 75. Yeah, like that's not that old. No, it's not. Not at all. Especially, and I mean, that puts in the you know we're guys that are in our 30s and thinking about our own parents and stuff like that. That's 
That's scary, yeah. And he could have acted for another 10 years, too. Yeah. I mean, he's got like four or five projects that are still to come out. He was still acting every day. One of those guys, too, one of those actors that you don't really think about as like, you know, the creme de la creme, the A-list in Hollywood, but he's stereotypically the type of guy that the industry relies on. He's a true, yeah, he's he's an actor. Right. Actor's actor. Right. He played all those character parts. Exactly. He's, he's willing to be the bad guy in things. He's... Yeah, a hell, a hell of a job in Blade Runner. That's that's the performance that jumps yeah, out to, to the both of us yep. for sure. Uh, that's an all-timer performance awesome. for like a sci-fi movie of that ilk. And to have that line be ad-libbed like it was to go down in cinematic history. Talk oh, about beautiful. rounded characters, too. Yeah, it will be missed. It's, it's a testament to the actor. We we you know we hate losing a member of the uh, the Hollywood industry anytime, and especially when the acting that has done so much like he has. Again, it's... It's a shortcoming on my part that I'm not as familiar with him, but I know I will be uh, taking in a few more of his movies. He will be missed, and well, as always, no easy way to transition out of this other than to just play our silly little song and try to move on to Do You Care? Yeah. Do You Care segment? This is where we take other news stories of the week and we ask each other, do we, should we, or will we care about them? The way we start every Do You Care segment is we talk about this week's upcoming theatrical releases. We've got two Hobbs and Shaws going nationwide, that perennial Oscar contender that it will be. And Loose is going limited, which had a great uh, great deal of success at some film festivals early yeah. in the year. Mike, do we care about these? Great trailer for Loose as well. Uh, I have some issues with the track stuff in the running. <laughs> I, I mentioned those. Yes. I'm, I'm interested in both of these movies. I have a question, though. Mm-hmm. Am I going to see Hobbs and Shaw in theaters? I have to see Loose in theaters for the Oscar race for award season. It's going to be a factor. Yes, agree. Octavia Spencer, et cetera, et cetera. Next Best Picture, our friends over there, they love, love it. it. They're gushing over That's enough for me, enough reason for me to go see it. Hobbs and Shaw, is this necessary to go see in theaters? I've loved the trailers. They're goofy as shit. Right. They're funny. Yeah. The, the question, Are you going to see it? The least? question you should be asking yourself is, how many times <laughs> must you go see this movie? All right, all right, all right. you convinced me. <laughs> that was hard. <laughs> Mike, Halloween 2020 and Halloween 2021, if I can speak, has been confirmed. It's happening not the way I dreamed of it, but you're better with this release structure. In 2020, we're having yeah. Halloween Kills. In 2021, we're having Halloween Ends. We have Danny McBride on board. We have the same director on board. Yeah, David Gordon Green's back. Nick Castle. We have the three female leads. We're ready to go. It's all aces, right? And Danny McBride's been on record. He was talking to Slash Film saying how this isn't going to be the end of Halloween, but he means that in the sense that these horror icons never end. I mean, the last chapter of Friday the 13th and Freddy movies and Freddy's dead and nothing ever kills these guys, which is all he meant by that. We just went over this. If we have a crocodile attack (laughs) during a hurricane that you can make for $10 million. Right. You'll, you'll make it. <laughs> that makes $50 million. You're right. going to keep making of crocodile course. attacks during a hurricane. Of course. So. And those metaphors for college football rivalries are going to continue <laughs> the Florida Gators versus Miami Hurricanes. Wow. All right. <laughs> but uh, you're going to keep making Halloweens. Yeah, I don't see why you wouldn't. This will probably be the end of the David Gordon Green, Danny McBride duo. Yeah. I don't know that Jamie Lee Curtis would come back. She is so in love with David Gordon Green and this writing crew that they, he, he was on record in saying that she was not a tough set. And she had been on record herself saying that if David Gordon Green wants to do another one, she's there. And she'll call him. The only issue I have is that 
please pay these people now. If you're going to get a trilogy out of all yeah. of them that they're all signed up for, you have to do right by them because they're the ones making this into a $200 million property. The first one was $178 million worldwide. Yeah, that's the thing. Like that. You make it for 10 you're mm-hmm. getting hundreds of millions right. of profit. So that that's a big deal. It, even Child's Play came out, made, made for 10 I don't know, finished at 30 35 like It did that. all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's enough. Right. That's that's good. Crawl's better. This is otherworldly that they can make that. Yeah, as far as old school horror properties, this is probably right now second only to it as far as bankable, high quality horror movies that are reboots, but not really reboots. They're different properties altogether. And this is definitely the safer release strategy. One year, the next year. It would have been fascinating. (laughs) It really would have been fascinating to watch an October 1st, October 20th release of these two movies like David Gordon Green has kind of been uh, hinted at wanting to do in the past. We talked about that a couple weeks ago on MMO Weekly. That really would have been interesting to see. Obviously, yes, you're right. This is the safer way to do it, the more historical, more uh, uh, convenient, I guess, way of doing it for studios to keep track of all the finances. Build up anticipation, give it time. All that being said, I'm expecting a cliffhanger at the end of the second one now. So that's the big story, right? Like, the second one's got to be something awesome. Crazy. Because a lot of people are going to go, I know, I already am going into it thinking, just get me to the third one. Get me to the finale. Let me see how this ends. So if you have that mindset, you're already going to rob yourself of some of the viewing experience. So, yeah, the second one's got a lot on it. Having seen what David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, John Carpenter, all these people involved did for the first one, the first reboot, the remake, whatever sequel you want to call it, can't wait. Cannot wait. We trust. Yeah. Uh, Mike, the last shot of Star Wars is going to, quote, melt your mind. That of Ethan Anderson for Slash Film. Your thoughts on this? Do you care about it? It's super exciting because the biggest question I have with the final Star Wars movie of the Skywalker saga Mm -hmm. is that J.J. Abrams has struggled with finales. It's just point blank. It's true. In his career. It's true. Struggled with finales, and I was a little worried that he was going to do the finale of this based on his TV, etc. We know this. Yes. Even the, the end of the last movie. He's not great at endings. The fact that he has a final shot that everybody's going crazy for. This is the kind of hype I want to hear. This is the <laughs> kind of rumor I want. because I And I need. Which gets me excited about the property. And I think they know this. This is smart. This is spin. This is deliberate. This placed by the marketing this company? This is placed yeah. in Slash Film. I love you guys. Because I read you like crazy. And you gave me this knowledge. And now this knowledge... <laughs> really just makes me happy and calm. I think it would be amazing to have a best picture category at the Oscars talk about the need right as they wanted to force a popular film imperative down everyone's throat where we have the last three three years, two or three years till we get to the point in 2019, 2020 where the best picture category has a Tarantino film, <laughs> a Star Wars film, an Avengers film, all the popular films that all casual moviegoers are excited about seeing anyway. Sure. I, I think I, I'm awesome. in. I'm in. I wonder if there'll be actual contenders to win it on the day. I know we had I Black... don't see it happening. Right. I think it would be awesome if it did. Black Panther was a contender, we thought, but we don't know the I numbers. Yeah, you picked it. I picked it to win, yeah. So we, we thought it was a contender. We think now it was probably a contender, but it was a top three. It was at a top five. We need the numbers now. But <laughs> all that being said. That. We're going to have like 18 episodes once we still go down that path. <laughs> <laughs> Is this last shot, though, Mike, to, focus, to send you out on this? What if that last shot is not really something that brings closure? but Opens up a whole new nine films? Yeah. 
What if it's just Mark Hamill doing the Macarena? It's called The Rise of Skywalker. Right. If Mark Hamill doing the Macarena <laughs> is so bizarre <laughs> that... Yeah, I mean, think about that. Yeah. If he's doing the Macarena... We're going to need to know why. Would that why. not melt your mind? It would melt my <laughs> Luke mind. I would need to know why. Why is it ending me? this way? <laughs> <laughs> I spent 40 years in this franchise. I mean, the first franchise, you know, the first six, number six, kind of ended that way as of retcon by George Lucas when he had all the Ewok dancing. <laughs> right, exactly. So this precedent. <laughs> this precedent. It's totally, totally do that. It's, it's both. It's a remake and it's a reboot. Mike, HBO Max... This was a lot of news about this over the weekend. They're going to have like HBO stuff, Cinemax stuff. HBO Max is the title. They're going to have live sports as well. What do you think of this? I, I don't care because I don't think it's anything that's going to happen anytime soon. And it, it seems to make a lot of logical sense. Mm-hmm. This won't be at the early stages. That's CEO Randall Stevenson's quote. But again, Turner has a lot of sports under their umbrella already. HBO Sports makes great documentaries. Hard Knocks is just about to start up, which everybody watches well, every year. that was year. a big thing. Like, they were going to have TNT NBA basketball. Right. So that was, that's I mean, a big TNT, deal. Turner Sports already has, ba- and the NBA, MLB, they have some soccer, I think. They have AEW, which is the new hot wrestling promotion. So, of course, they're going to have live sports, right? My question is going to be if these... Uh, leagues start signing exclusive contracts, which happened once upon a time with the live sports video games. Mm-hmm. Like Madden is the only NFL one because they NFL signed an exclusive video games deal with them uh, once upon a time. And 2K used to make NFL video games. Now they're no, no longer able to contractually. So that's going to be my question. We have things like The Zone popping up. Right. We have all these other streaming services. What's going to happen if leagues start going exclusive to certain networks? I think that's big news. And that's big. That's a big prophecy. It's an inevitability, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it's already started happening somewhat. Like only only ABC and Disney can play the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. That means ESPN, ABC. But like, if you're going to go strictly to streaming, that changes the game completely. If 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 a boxing, the IBF or the WBF only wants to go to HBO's streaming service, that's the only place you're going to see them. What's that do to the zone? which only exists to show boxing and live fighting. I think there's a whole house of cards here that could collapse at one, one point. Or if they win, if the streaming services band together and somehow win, like if somebody basically comes up with a cable thing that where all your streaming... Like, they got a lot of these things now. Like, you could sure. do it on Amazon, or you could buy multiple, like, whatever. The Amazon... The Fire Stick. I have my Netflix and my Amazon. I can have Hulu on there. I can do whatever on there. So that's Apple, like your, your Apple cable, your new age yeah, cable company. Apple TV's got yeah. the uh, that option too. Hell, Xfinity's got it. Yeah, like everything can have everything right now. But what's going to be the one thing that wins? Is my question. Is it going to stay this you know free for all, or is it going to come down like all right, everybody has Apple TV. Yeah. Apple TV is now TV. Right. Um, I don't know what it'll be, but I know Disney will have it. <laughs> probably right Mike Regal is going to release an unlimited movie plan we've I, heard this before it's not close enough to us it's in Waterbury it's yeah. in Brantford nobody cares about this but basically it's an hour away those two theaters in Connecticut are an hour away from us yeah. Connecticut's not that big no but 40 minutes 45 minutes to an hour I'm already going to Danbury to right and that's like 35 minutes yeah. more mileage less time because it's all highway driving Twenty three fifty per month, unlimited. It's a great deal. 
for premium, etc. I think that's and A list seems to be the only one that's kind of working, right? That that has legs to succeed. Yeah, A list. I'm loving it right now. Three per week. I'm making money on it. I don't know if I'm making money on it that'll break its bank. Like I've seen thirty three movies since I bought it in October. So essentially, I'm doing between three and four <laughs> movies a yeah, month. Yeah, about about during that. Oscar season. That's going to go way up. Right. And I'm probably going to, I know I go to the movies like six, seven times a month during right. Oscar season. So if I'm able to do that at AMC, I'm making a lot of money on the deal. Uh, profitability standpoints, though, it seems like the brands that offer these types of services only survive if they are attached to a movie theater chain like AMC. Movie Pass failed. Cinemia failed. So this one, AMC A-list succeeds because it's tied to the AMC theaters. Maybe this one will as well. Because I need a cookie ice cream sandwich. Exactly. At least one per three <laughs> sittings, and I need that $6 Diet Coke. Nah, of course. Yeah. That's, I mean, this is just math. It's like a Trump-sized Diet Coke. It's huge. It's great. It lasts me both features. I do double features, and it lasts me both. Don't you have to pee? I have to pee a lot. All right. But I'm used to having to pee. <laughs> What, why, why did I say that? God, this is going long. <laughs> Once upon a time in Hollywood had a billboard hijacked, Mike, by and uh, everybody's anti-pedophile, but this group was campaigning against Jeffrey Epstein and the news that happened there. They basically took Leo's picture and they put Jeffrey Epstein on it. They basically took Brad's picture and they, and they made that Roman Polanski and their Once Upon a Time in Pedohood or whatever yeah, they said. Yeah, what, do, what do you think of this? I don't think I care. I mean, Paul Bond had this for the Hollywood Reporter. I get the Polanski tie-in. You can, if you want to die on that hill, I can understand why it's in the movie. He's part of it. I get that. Jeffrey Epstein to me is kind of a stretch. There's another one where Woody Allen's face was put on it. I don't like. So what's the message? You're just mad that famous people are are pedophiles? Yes, we, that's that's we bad. All, We're all, we all hate. Pedophiles. We all don't like that, right? So right. I don't understand what grand what, statement you think you're making. What are they accomplishing specifically? Right. If that's an organization, like if you're mad that Tarantino money. put Polanski yeah. in the film after what Tarantino, I get that. Uh, that's fine. If you want this to be about that, I at least understand the message. But to have it be like you know, you're just Hollywood celebrates all sorts of monsters. That's kind of what the whole point of the movements are, to, to address all that, finally. Right? Yeah. Aren't we all we're trying to work about, on that? Yeah, we're going to talk about this during our review. But is, is this a misstep of the movement? Like, I just don't see this working, other than that it's a story in the trade. Exactly, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. That's why I don't think I, I care. I don't get it. Maybe it's too smart for me. I don't know. I'm not crazy about yeah, this. It's just it's just like... Like, pedophiles are bad. Yeah. Sign me up for that. I get it. I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, so we're on the same page there. It Chapter 2, Mike, confirming a two-hour and 45-minute runtime. Do you care? I do care. I'm worried a little bit about It Chapter 2 because of that length. I I like it, I think, but the problem with the book was that it was too long. The book is like a 50-hour audiobook, (laughs) and I listened to it all. It was so long, and I remember during that book, like, I gotta stop, but I'm already hour 20 in. I'm hour 30 in. I have to keep going, don't I? I can't (laughs) listen to half of a 50-hour book. Right? Uh, I agree. You're an asshole if you listen to half of a 50-hour book. (laughs) Right, yeah. I wanted to put it down. It's not a great book. It's partially not a great book because it's too long. All that being said, It Chapter 1 was 2 hours and 15 minutes. We had no problems with the runtime there. No. The Shining, two hours and twenty six minutes. I have no problems with the runtime there. Give me more. Is it that long? It is. I didn't even realize. Give that. me more of The Shining. Give me more right. of it. Chapter one. If this is a good movie, we're not going to care. 
Of course not, and we seem to be in this new age now, ever since Endgame, that like, if you have an epic that you can build up to, you're going to get three hours out of it because people are sure that you will show up to the theaters and spend money on popcorn and spend money on sodas, and it w- works out for the it's an event. everybody. It works out for the studio, it works out for the uh, movie theater, it works out for you, you get to see something you love for three hours, so... Uh, Did I need to see two hours and 39 minutes of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? <laughs> Where that's good. That's the the, the nexus baiting. of our debate. You're just, just baiting the nexus me right of now. our debate. Well, I'm trying to tease the next episode. <laughs> All right, let's go into some trailer thoughts on this extra long episode of MMOW. Trailer thoughts. Couple trailers, uh, and we again we decided to start our Oscar weekly program because we knew this would be a long episode of MMOW without those trailers. So we only have a few this week that we're going to go over. Let's start with Zombieland Double Tap. It's fine to take a page out of your book, right? It's fine. It's funny. I love Thomas Middleditch showing up at the too. end. That made me laugh a lot. Yeah. I loved Woody Harrelson with the most joyous expression on his face while he's spearing that one zombie <laughs> turning to the camera and smiling that's that's wonderful that's all i want for this from this movie this is oscars worthy i said it would be oscars worthy i can't wait to see this content i like the setup too that they said academy award nominee woody harrelson yeah. academy award winner emma stone yeah like whatever i'll watch this, this is gonna be awesome even if it's bad we'll watch right this. exactly exactly of Either course way, we can't will. lose uh don't let go also came out the first trailer for that michael good so this is the producers of Get Out. This is a murder mystery. This is two awesome actors. David Oyelowo from Selma, played Martin Luther King. Hadn't had a lot of great projects since then. Mm-hmm. I don't want to poop on those projects. Some of them have been art art projects that have been really well-reviewed, etc. I've been wanting him to do something more mainstream ever since. We also have Storm Reed, who was in A Wrinkle in Time. I thought she did a nice job in that. Yeah. I was skeptical on the trailers. She was bad in the trailers for some reason. She's actually pretty good in the movie. So I really like the dynamic in this preview. So I, I'm in. I love the slowed down I'll Be There by the Four Tops. I really love that 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 song that they use there. Kind of taking a page out of Jordan Peele's book there, slowing down. I got or remixing. I got five on it. That's um, definitely the trailer trope nowadays. Oh, it's been for years. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Taking an old song and just remixing it and slowing it down or doing something different with it. Um, this movie. So the uncle did it, right? Like, that's where, that's where this is going. <laughs> so Uncle Jack killed this family, and this Medis- is his way of repressing right. it. I just opened up IMDb and 54 Metascore. Yeah, because Uncle Jack did it. And everybody knows Uncle Jack did it. And he's going to do it. Uncle Jack did it. This this is his way of dealing with it and repressing it. I was in, though. I I might still be in because I like murder mysteries. I like It's Blumhouse. You can never be sure with Blumhouse. I like Blumhouse. Blumhouse Tilt, which I just discovered was a thing, apparently. uh, It's their their way of of doing... as Wikipedia says, handling products for platform releases, multi-platform releases. It's managed by Neon, which is another production company or studio that we like. So, uh, Uncle Jack did it. Good Boys had its final trailer. <laughs> These are great. These yeah, trailers yeah. are worth the price of admission right there. Now, I'm so worried about this movie because... Is it showing us everything? You can't yeah. have 15 jokes I per agree. trailer. I have the same concern. Whereas 10 of them are unique per trailer. Yeah. So we've already had all these jokes from this movie. We know them. We've already laughed heartily at them, and they're still going to make us laugh more in this movie? Now, I will say, I don't think every trailer needed to have the, how many husbands does she have joke in it? Yeah. I've heard that fucking line 7,000 times. The first time, though. Right. It was funny Maybe the, the first, first like, hundred. 
And then the sex swing was funny the first yes. time. Yes. And they, they're overdoing that a little bit, but we expect that from comedy trailers. We don't need three comedy trailers for a comedy movie, typically. Very curious to see how this one comes out. I, I hope there's more to it. I'm laughing yeah. hard Same here. in each one of these trailers. I can't wait for this movie. Yeah. Uh, cosign, I don't think you can do any. These are some of the best trailers for This is for South Park seen. live action. Yeah, it's awesome. I cannot wait. <laughs> uh, and Hustlers also had its debut trailer this week, Michael. It's a strange trailer and a strange story. We have Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez. They're strippers. They're going to steal from all these Wall Street guys. I'm thinking they're going for, like, Magic Mike goods, but it's also more of a serious story. Then again, Magic Mike 1 apparently was, like, an art film more than it was a the XXL, which was a blockbuster. Right. So I don't know what this is going for. I think it's just going for Constance Wood to have the craziest filmography in the history of Hollywood. <laughs> going from crazy rich Asians to, like, stripper who robs Wall Street tycoons. I'm all for that. I mean... That's range. They're beautiful. They're hot. They're, yeah, it's... This is, you know, fuck Wall Street guys. Lorene Scafaria is the director. She's been Not a writer literally. on some... <laughs> she's been a <laughs> Good clarification. Lorene Scafaria has been a writer on some buddy coming-of-age stuff. She did Nick and Nora's Ultimate Playlist. She wrote for Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. I don't know how that's going to play into this, but whatever. Look, I, I, Jennifer Lopez playing a stripper. I, can you target male demographic more than that? Right. So that'll make money, I think. think. I was very wrong lately about some stuff, so who knows. We're going to do a quick what we're (laughs) watching, and I emphasize that because, one, we're going long, and, two, I've kind of stifled Michael the last couple weeks, so he had a build-up here, and we're going to try something new. I'm going to try to keep him to giving one to two sentence reviews each of these properties. So first, let's get the what we're watching theme music. It's what we're watching. Lightning round. (laughs) Aladdin, Michael, go. Way better than I ever thought possible. God, we were so The wrong. music was great. Will Smith is still great. Mena Masood and Naomi St- Scott, there are future stars in the making. We suck. Art of self-defense. <laughs> Heavy, bizarre, and dark. Uh, there's only five laughs in this movie. Oh, and really? Yet, it's, isn't it, it's marketed as a black comedy. It's unpre- It's not unpredictable. It's very predictable. Huh. And it's it's not a dark comedy. There's not it's not a funny movie, but it's a good movie. It's just like Fight Club light. It's like oh, there's a sequence from Fight Club that is this whole movie. Jesse Eisenberg's Fight Club. It's like expounded upon sequence where Edward Norton is basically doing the office thing, and he's also insomnia. He has insomnia, but then there's this whole other thing. Crawl, go crawl, crawl. I kind of already reviewed it. It's there's one thing that happens in this movie, Mike. That would have negated the first 45 minutes of this movie. So, like, this movie is preposterous. Yes. It has issues. She is a Florida Gator swimmer, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Winds up Do you get it? Fight, fighting, <laughs> fighting gators in a hurricane. Yeah. And her dad was her swimming coach her whole life, and there's flashbacks about that. Terrible. Making money, though. Hellboy, Michael, the remake. Uh, it's not as bad as everybody said it was. That's good. VFX is bad. He's great. I, David Harbour's great. Uh, I really liked him. It's too gory. This went oh, over really? the top gory. Huh. It's way too gory. And the big, biggest spectacles of the movie are in the middle and not the end. And you need to, you need to finish with the hammer. Finish with the big fist. All right. Don't put them in the early points of the parts of the movie. Like the best scenes are in the middle. Huh. Long shot. Comedy that came out. Seth Rogen, Charlie's Theron. 
it's Pretty Woman in Notting Hill, but with jerk-off scenes. <laughs> it's really funny. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. So I was really glad I got this. I hope Good Boys makes up the money that this one should have made in theaters. This should have made money. This is a funny yeah, movie. Right. Like, if this came out on Netflix, a million people would have right. watched it. Under the Silver Lake. Aggravating and puzzling and well-made. This is the director of It Follows. This is very, very well-made. The character of Andrew Garfield assassinates himself at the beginning of the movie, in the middle of the movie, at the end of the movie. I hated that character more than most characters in movies previous. So I, I had a hard time liking this movie. Is this going to be called classic status? I don't think so. I hated Andrew Garfield. Andrew character. Garfield needs a reclamation project, in my mind. He needs to stop doing these dramas. Look, man, if you're cruel to dogs, I Oh, you. screw that. I, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I hate you. Masters of the Universe from 1987, going old school. I did a back-to-back double feature of Under the Silver Lake and Masters of the Universe. Oh, wow, I was just so disgusted. Your mind must I was like, have been give mush. me something awesomely bad. Give me something fun. And I did have something fun Good. and awesomely bad. Courtney Cox is fun in it. Dolph Lundgren is hilarious. This movie sucked. <laughs> Sucked hard, but it's fun. And I, if, for people who love this movie, I would love to do a full hour of a review on this because it is absurd. Frank Langella's makeup. It's just it's rubber mask. It's a rubber Halloween mask, and his voice is Shakespearean in its authority. And yet he has a stupid mask. Oh, it's fun. Veep season seven. You finally caught up with it. I did. I've been chipping away at this a little bit. Damn funny. I get what you say about the on and nose politics. Yeah, very, very. It didn't bother current. me as much because you kind of, you know, prepared you, you. Prepared me yeah. about it. So I didn't hate it. I also hated the ending, though. I kind of like disagreed with it. You didn't like it. A lot of people liked it. I disagreed harshly with it. They're bad people. That's how it should go. No. You could have gave them their comeuppance a little better by allowing her to get another job people in washington don't get their comeuppance michael <laughs> if she got another job i don't know how much more obvious i could be another job like the title of the show i'm spoiling it if she wound up being the vice president and the show that would have been perfect in my opinion i, I don't disagree I, I wasn't crazy about the ending myself when it when it happened but um a lot of people on gold derby are very high on the on both julia louis Dreyfus's chances for the emmy and veeps as a show and usually the emmys do uh, reward those long-standing shows in their final seasons Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee, collection number six. God, I watched a lot this week. A yeah, week did. and a half. It was almost yeah. two weeks. It's like double the output here. Look, I mean, this is coffee being made, and you have long montages of coffee being made. You have car stuff, and I'm not a huge fan of the car stuff, yeah. but you got like the whole history of this particular car, and then you have two comedians just chit-chatting and usually talking about comedy and the writing process. This is a great show. It's like, and they're like eighteen it's minutes simple. long. Yeah, very eighteen simple. to thirty minutes. It's terrific and it's funny. Big Little Lies season two. Seen a lot of questionable reviews. A lot of backlash against this. Yeah. I was surprised. I binged the last five episodes after reviewing the first two in a previous MMOW. I really liked it. I thought it was good, well done, well made, great performances. You get multiple showdowns between Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman. You get a strange plot line with Zoe Kravitz, but it's really well done. Reese Witherspoon gets gets a heavy plot line uh, with her husband. Shailene Woodley gets all kinds of plot lines. She's like the utility player of this uh, lineup, I guess you'd say. And then Laura Dern. Just going off over the, the top, top rope. Oh, off the top <laughs> rope is so good. Her performance is so much fun. She does the best job giving a nutty performance. I love that whole ensemble. 
I, I have not started watching it. I will watch season two. Is it two. the best thing I've seen this year? Is it awards caliber? We don't watch enough TV to know. Right. Like, her, like I would walk away from this saying Meryl Streep, Laura Dern, if that was given in an Oscar movie, mm-hmm. a movie that was halfway decent, I'd, I'd be up for nominating that. Well, skip C by skip since there's a billion things you watch, but let's talk about do you have something that stood out as the best thing you saw all week? The Aladdin songs. Really? The music was so good. And have, Will, have we Will been Smith, more wrong about anything? Will Smith is such a freaking movie star. He's so... I loved him. I thought he was awesome. They added so much to that story. I, everything they added was just... It almost made me cry. It was so good. I think I'm going to spend, when we do our Oscars this week, a, a good segment of that, the Oscar Weekly Show, the Oscar Race Update, yeah. apologizing to Will Smith. <laughs> because I have some things to say about Gemini Man, too. I thought that trailer was awesome. Yep. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about I, I, good There's tease. gonna be a segment. Maybe that'll be a running segment. Me apologizing <laughs> to someone I've disparaged. Uh, the only thing I watched this week because I was on vacation, I did see The Lion King. I would not have gone to see it if I wasn't with my niece and nephew, and we were stuck in a hundred twenty-five degree house. You can give more than a sentence. I really want to know. What did you think? I think the magic in it is if you see it with kids, okay. or family, or some kind of setting like that, because they, I. You know, I had my detractions of it like every other critic does. I would not have seen this of my own recognizance. Mm-hmm. But because I was with my three-year-old niece and my seven-year-old nephew, and they love the property, they were wowed by what they saw on screen. They love Scar for some reason. I don't know if that's cause for concern, but they love Scar. <laughs> Their joy in it made my watching experience infinitely better. You know, so I Good. think that's the secret sauce of this Disney thing is that if you see it with family or little kids or something like that and you see it through their eyes you could grow a whole new appreciation for it i went down some rabbit holes those were many of those are me problems yeah i'm right well sure i mean it has it's an easy movie to pick apart i don't disagree i also sat in traffic for an hour right you had missed the circle of life intro i missed the first 10 minutes of the movie right whereas we were escaping the heat in a house with no air conditioning by using the movie theater's air conditioning. So it was an oasis. Right. Otherwise, she yeah. wouldn't have gone at all. So it was a lot of things. I was in the opposite mindset you were. The animals could have emoted more. Oh, I, let me tell you, Mike. When you said that, I couldn't get that out of my head watching it the yeah. whole time. And my mother commented on it, too. She went with us. and like, Otherwise, just do marionette puppets. Right. Like, it's, it's absurd how little emotion that all... Conveyed. And look, there's things that don't work in Aladdin, really don't work, that are on the nose bad. Mm-hmm. I still hate the costumes. I still hate the color. <laughs> it's ridiculous. We have to claim a victory somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm still right about that. But Mike, the, the stardom and the personality and the charm of those actors playing these parts, that's the draw, man. That, that's why it was so good. And that was infused in the Disney animation of these original properties. I don't want to call anyone out by name because I've already been on record saying how wrong I was being negative about certain people before. There's one major character I could not stand. I did not think they were believable. Uh, those <laughs> That character was not Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner. I thought they were magnificent in Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah, Eichner's hilarious. I, but I he's going off script, and every time he does, it's it's hilarious. I like that they actually showed the whole In Rogan the Jungle too. scene. Yeah. <laughs> where they let them all sing out and play. I love well, that. Well, Aladdin did that, whereas Lion King did that three times, Aladdin did that 15 times. It was just, it made me right, happy. Right, So, uh, you know, is there good in the movie? Yes. If you're going to look at it as a remake of 1994, you're going to be disappointed. That's how I think. Right. But I was able, if you see it with kids... It'll heighten your experience. I, I was even more wrong about this because I was like, yes, give me a shot-for-shot shot remake with beautiful <laughs> effects. And I didn't like that. And then, no, don't give me characters trying to be the cartoons from Aladdin. I have a theory. I don't think they re-recorded the Circle of Life intro. intro. I don't know. It sounded like exactly we like should the one know from this. 94. Yeah, we should, but we don't. We don't. 
because we're back. We didn't people. do an OSP on it. We, yeah. When we do a deep dive, right. we know everything. Exactly. Just like for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we know too much that we had an hour preamble to this conversation that went two hours <laughs> because the preamble worn us out and we were all talked out going into this conversation. Which is both the only other thing I did see this week in terms of movies and the best thing I saw this week. Yeah. Uh, we're going to fight. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I have a few problems with it, and you jumped down my throat. I think you're very wrong on one of your points. I I don't think it could be more wrong because it's one of the highlights I had too for thinking. I like to think I know what Tarantino was thinking about because me and him are best friends now. Because it was too long. It's twenty minutes too long. (laughs) Just like this episode, it was twenty minutes too long. Oh, God, all right, good to be back in the saddle. Sorry for going extra long this week. We all knew it was going to happen once we finally <laughs> reconvened. But this is MMO Weekly. That's all we got for you. Uh, obviously, as always, want to hear your comments, questions, thoughts, concerns about this and anything else we have covered in the MMO Empire. You can reach out to us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we are available everywhere you hear podcasts. Tune in, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc., etc. If you just type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar, you'll see our cartoon smiling faces waving back at you if you appreciate what we do here if you take a couple seconds and give us a five-star review on apple Podcasts, we would really really appreciate those kind words may even give you a shout out on the show as well michael tell these fine people if they've made it this long to the end of the episode what's coming next and what we're doing here in mmo we're so gonna, boys and boys, yeah we're gonna review once upon a time in hollywood next we have it slated for one episode if it yeah, we'll see balloons into two <laughs> we'll let it balloon into two we, we got a Tarantino award show that was planned for the end of the week that we could bump to next week. Right. I, that's fun. We're already putting that together and having a blast with it. And finally, we got our Oscar race update, which we talked at length about at the beginning of the show. We're going to review trailers for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Everything we didn't cover here, we purposely left to that show. And we're going to do all the fun stuff that we, we do with Oscar season. We're just going to do it every week now with the speculation, with the horse race stuff, with the all the all the research that we do on all the big Oscar stories. So we're able to cover things much more thoroughly. Yeah, and that's that the, that's the hope and that's the idea. We want to be your one stop shop as always for all things award season and making award season year round. Like we say, uh, words of wisdom. Anything fun for these people to Thank go on? Thank you guys. Thank yeah. you. We had an awesome week last week. Yeah, we did. We had Oscar race. You guys numbers. are the best. Oscar not week numbers because we had eight episodes that seven day week or whatever it was no we were probably close to like 60% of an Oscars week type thing it was a big listener number for us this week we're really excited that the mid-year Oscar report you're loving that and that the Tarantino series you're loving that as well so thank you guys always have said we have the best listeners in the world and with that uh, guys when reality sucks you can come watch these movies like us as always we are Mike Mike and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness Uh, thanks for hanging in for kind of a kooky episode today we'll (laughs) see you in a couple days to review Once Upon a Time in Hollywood see ya